Good morning ladies and welcome to Women's Church, another Thursday of hearing God's word, of having fellowship with each other and coming to be together is always good. I always look forward to Thursdays and I know many of you do. Has anybody heard or read the book, The Five Love Languages? Anyone read it? Okay, well it's written by a gentleman called Gary Chapman. And he surveyed a hundred couples and he talked to them about the fulfillment of their relationship with their partner, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. And after lots of questions and lots of talking to these couples, he came up with five things that everybody liked and needed in their relationship to be content and to feel happy. So I'm going to write it on the board. Now can anybody guess what some of these might be? There's five of them. Anybody want to have a guess? Touch. Touch? So will we class that as affection? Quality time was another one. What was that other one? Acts of service was another one. Communication was words of affirmation, he called that. And there was one more. Gifts. Gifts. So after his survey, he was a psychologist so, and, a, and a marriage counsellor. So he knew a bit about all of this anyway. So he came up with, if everybody has a primary one and most people have a secondary one. So what he's saying is what he came up with, which was confirmed by the hundred couples, was that if you give your partner their love language, so for instance, mine is quality time is my primary one. So if I feel loved, my husband wants to spend time with me, wants to do things with me, it makes me feel loved. But my second one is affection. Love lots of affection. So what he came up with is, if you give your partner their love language, they feel content and fulfilled within the relationship. But what most people do, which is not actually, doesn't work, so my love language is quality time, I go to give my love language to him thinking that that's his love language, doesn't work. You have to give their love language to them. So Greg's is words of affirmation. So I have to make sure I always talk and communicate with him and tell him I love him and oh, thanks for doing that. that he, he likes that. So when I looked at these five things, I thought, I wonder what God's love language is. And today's talk's on time and gifts. Well, here's the gift. 
Jesus was the greatest gift of all that God gave us. Words of affirmation, God loves to hear our prayers when we talk to him. Acts of service, which is what we're going to talk about today as well. God loves it when we give acts of service in any shape or form. Quality time, he loves it when we sit in his presence and pray. And affection, I thought, what's affection? And I thought, when the Holy Spirit comes and gives us his peace, I think that's a form of affection. And I thought, okay, this psychologist came up with this, but we're made in God's image, and if this is all the things that, that works, and I have practised this and it does work, then God must have some love languages as well. And I felt that all of these are God's love language. And this will fit into the talk later. But very good book if anybody wants to read it. Thank you. Father God, we come before you in humble adoration as Lord of our life, Saviour of our soul, Redeemer and Peacemaker, loving Father and so much more. Clear our minds today as we come to discuss your parable of the three servants. Help us to search our own hearts so that we are in tune with your will and plan for our services to extend your kingdom and bring you glory. Amen. Well, we all know what a parable is. It's a short tale that illustrates four things. It'll come up on the board. It's a universal truth. A parable has a setting. A parable describes an action. And a parable shows a result. A Christian servant. What is a Christian servant? We have four of these things too. Someone willing to submit to God in every area of their life, to put aside their own plans and desires and rights to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit to enable them to serve God. They follow where the Spirit leads, often at a cost of personal sacrifice, hopes and plans to bring God glory and honour. A Christian servant practices humility. They serve willingly and sacrificially with no reward or money. A servant heart is made up of who you are, how you feel, and it's a combination of character and attitude. Jesus had been teaching the disciples about judgment. He'd been teaching about the end times and his earthly return. After those topics, he gives three parables to help us understand how to live until he returns to take us home. The parable we're looking at today is the third of those parables, referred to as the parable of the talents, or the parable of the three servants, depending upon which version of the Bible you've got. It is revealed that each servant got a different number of talents. One got one, one got two, one got five. Verse 15 says that these gifts were given depending on each one's ability. A talent represented an amount of weight of money, usually silver or gold, 
usually between 60 and 90 pounds. One talent was worth a lot of money, equivalent to thousands and thousands of dollars. So we're talking about a lot of money that this owner gave to these servants. Many theologians agree that the rich owner in this parable is thought to represent God and the three servants represents us. The first two servants invested well and made the money work for them by earning more. The third servant was fearful and negligent and buried the money and kept it safe. He wasn't a risk taker. He was a conservative thinker and he had fear of losing what he'd been given in case he failed. The first two heard the words well done from the master and the third was called lazy and wicked. His talent was taken from him and he was thrown out of his master's presence. Jesus often packaged spiritual truths and lessons of faith into parables. These stories were his way of explaining the attributes of God and instructions for godly living so that it was done simply so that humans could understand. His use of stories held a special place in his ministry and he certainly did have a particular teaching style. So clearly God knows these men's gifts. He knows how they think and he knows exactly what they will do with the talents before they even know what's going to happen. He knows that two will be successful, one will be fearful, and he just waits to see what happens. There's a lesson in this parable. God loves it when we get brave and step out of our comfort zone to think outside the box and trust him that he will supply all our needs to fulfil that service that he gives us. Firstly, we must understand that everything belongs to God anyway. Every gift we have is from him. Every job we have is his making it available. Every friend we have that's good to us has been put in our lives by God. God gives us everything that we have. He is the owner of these gifts. Just as the master gave his own possessions to his servants, so also God blesses us with his huge generosity. He's a very, very generous God. And he gives gifts to every single individual. Secondly, we must understand that God gives to us according to his wisdom, his discretion, just like the, the rich ruler of the, the um, servants was like the same. God knows everything about us and he knows which gifts he should entrust us with. The Bible encourages Christians to be faithful stewards of our God-given gifts. Using your talents for God can help you find your purpose for God's service and he will allow God's opportunities to share his word and love. We all have different gifts. We all have different personalities. But God can use every single one of our gifts because he's given them to us anyway, knowing what we're capable of, to bring him glory, to extend his kingdom. So what are some lessons 
to learn from this parable? Did anybody get anything in particular out of this parable? What did you think? That's a lesson I've got to learn. Did anybody get anything? Not in particular? Sorry? Yes, be generous, absolutely. Well, there were five lessons I found from this parable. They'll come up on the screen. So God entrusts us with our gifts to use to extend his kingdom. That's what it's all about. This parable is telling us we have to be godlike and serve God and the ultimate is to extend his kingdom, to spread his word, to make disciples, to bring people to Christ. That is the ultimate service that we can give. He expects us to use the gifts he's given us. He expects us to use them, not let them sit still next to us. He expects us to use them. It's actually a command. It's not, oh, if you want to. God actually expects us to use these gifts and to use them wisely. He assesses our performance in how we use these gifts, not based on our accomplishments, but according to our abilities that he has blessed us with. We will be held accountable, ladies, for our acts of service and how we use these gifts. If he's given them to us and we don't use them, the Bible actually says that he will remove those gifts from us. We are to grow in the Lord as we live a godly life. And here's the key factor. Awaiting his return. He is coming back. What we do in the meantime with these gifts until he returns, we will be held accountable. Whatever he gives you to do, he will equip you with the skills to do it. Do you trust that? Do you trust that? If you're frightened to step out and do that, then you need to say, Lord, I need to trust you to go ahead and do this act of service. I don't feel confident in my own mind and heart, but I know that if you've given me this gift, you will enable me to do it and I'm going to trust you and power on. If you are not sure what your gifts are, and I didn't know for many years, I wondered what my gift was because I really didn't know, ask somebody who knows you well because they'll be able to tell you. Other people often see your gift before you do. They feel your gift. They see you exercise your gift. Ask someone who knows you well. I absolutely agree and assure you that you all have God-given gifts. Every single one of you. We are very blessed here at St John's because we have many of our people serving on our team. Many just do it quietly, unrecognised, not noticed, Many of you mightn't even know who does the whippersnippering, who's up here three times a week doing the mowing. You mightn't even know, but they're up here. They're up here every week. 
They don't look for recognition or a pat on the back or a reward. They do it for the Lord. So let's look at some of the gifts that God has given us to extend his kingdom. Now we're all not going to be all these things and God does not expect us to be all these things. Who can come up with some things that you think could be God-given gifts? Hospitality. Now, hospitality is a big one because nobody likes sharing a meal around a table, chatting and having fellowship. And some people will say, oh, no, I don't do hospitality. I don't cook. No, that means I've got to get the house clean before they come. That's stressful. That means I've got to go down the shops and buy food. Oh, it's too hard. And there are people like that. I know people who are like that. They've been over to my place many, many times and I've never been to theirs because they don't like hospitality. But ladies, a packet of biscuits and a cup of tea or coffee and an hour, hour and a half of inviting someone over, you don't know how that can make a person's day. You don't have to cook. They're not coming to see your house, they're coming to see you. If you want to invite them over for lunch and you don't cook, go down and grab a barbecue chicken and some bread rolls and some lettuce and tomato. Under $20. Don't have to cook. Easy. And it's still delicious. Push out of your comfort zone and invite someone around for morning or afternoon too. Somebody that you don't know that well. Somebody that you haven't really gotten to know at church. There is value in that. There is, and you will be blessed. Not only they will be blessed, you will be blessed. So hospitality is one. What's another one? Hospital visiting. Hospital visiting. That's on my list, absolutely. Any more? Come on, girls. Yell them out. Sorry? Leading, absolutely. Preaching and teaching. What's one that starts with E that we can all do? Evangelism. We can ask God. Let's pray to God. Father, show us the harvest. Give us the opportunities while we're out and about to talk about you. Give us the opportunity to say to somebody, can I pray with you? Evangelism. Invite them to, to church or to women's church. What's another one? Come on, there's hundreds of them. Prayer. Prayer. Absolutely. Prayer is probably one of the biggest and strongest ones. What about making things for charities? Our sewing groups making little girls and boys dresses for Arnhem Land. Donations of money when you can afford it. Scripture teaching, ministry, running GFS, running meteors. What's some more simpler ones? Reading the Bible. Because without reading the Bible, that's our guide. That encourages us. What about the working bee at the church? We need more workers at the working bee. What about a simple phone call? A simple phone call to say, how are you feeling? I heard you weren't well. 
Do you know how much somebody cares, feels cared for when you get that? Who doesn't like getting a phone call when they're sick to say, how are you? Don't think any of us would, would we? And there's, unless you've got laryngitis, yes. Yes, we'll pass on that. You don't have to do that. All right, so, um, creche, minding children in the creche. We can all have a turn at that. Most of us have been mothers. Have you ever thought about giving an hour on a Sunday morning to help a creche? Trish does it every week. She might like a break. Somebody might say, I'll do it on Sunday. What about organising events? Alex is great at organising events. She organised the commission service. Vicky cooks. Prue cooks. Many, many different things we can do to drive the elderly to appointments. What about encouragement? That's a huge one. The gift of encouragement. Everybody can do that. We don't realise how many there are and sometimes we just have to shake it up and be reminded of all the things we can do. So not everyone can do all these things, but everyone can at least do one. If you are housebound and you've got bad health, if you suffer terrible pain like Sue Webster does, you're limited in what you can do. If you're a single mum and the children are your priority, you're limited to what you can do. If you work full time, you can only get here when you can get here. God knows and God understands that and he's not going to judge you for it. God does not expect us to join up for every type of service and run ourselves ragged. He doesn't want us to burn out to our own detriment. He just wants us to do what we can with a willing heart, a joyful smile and a godly attitude. So if you are limited in your time and gifts, what are some things you may be able to do in a small way that still counts and still blesses and warms a person's soul? What's some simple things that the people who are housebound at home can do? Pray. pray. That's the biggest one. Anyone can pray. Prayer is so important. What's another one? A very simple one. Sorry? Send an encouraging text message. Send a, a phone call. How are you? How are you going? Do you need any help? Cards was on my list. Cards is a great one for people who are very limited and can't do much. And we understand that. We understand Carolyn's in a lot of pain, Sue's in a lot of pain. Those ladies live with extreme pain. But a little card with an encouraging note is amazing to somebody at the other end. It really is. What's another one? Smile. Smile. Go and visit them and give them a smile. Even if it's only a half hour visit, if they're housebound at home and they can't get out much, do you know how important and how lovely a half hour visit would be for someone like that? Margaret's quite unwell at the moment and Vicky and Marilyn went to see her. It made her day. She was so excited, so thrilled to see them. It broke the day up and she was happy for the rest of the day in her dilemma of her health. 
But it takes effort, it takes a little bit of organisation, but we can all do something. Jesus has made Christians participate in his ministry. We have also been made stewards of the things Christ values the most, people. It's about stepping out and trusting. It's a bit like, remember when your children first got their licence for the older ladies and you had to hand the keys over? Maybe just for half an hour? And they take your car. You panic till they get home. You wonder, is the car going to come back in one piece? You wonder if he's going to have an accident. Oh, he's only just got his licence. But you have to trust him. You have to let him or her take the keys, take your car and go for a drive and try not to be too nervous a wreck till they come home. So if acts of service is a struggle for you, maybe you're a quiet, reserved, shy person, it's not always easy for people like that to step out and do something like this. But let me encourage you to pray and ask God to give you the confidence and help you to step out in acts of service. Start with little steps, little ways, and the more you do it, the more you will want to do it be easy because you will be blessed in return, I guarantee it. Jesus has entrusted his followers with great treasures, making them caretakers of his ministry, We are commissioned ambassadors of his mission. Let me say that again. We are commissioned ambassadors of his mission. Ladies, we have an incredible responsibility as a disciple of Jesus Christ and we need to take it seriously. It's actually a non-negotiable. Jesus expects and wants us to serve others. We are to be his representatives here on earth, to be Jesus with skin on. He needs us to do his work. A wise and faithful steward will be faithful with his master's money and take care of what he has been given because the master will eventually return. Jesus is coming back to take us home one day and when he returns, we all want to hear the words Well done, good and faithful servant. It's never too late to start serving. It's never too late to do the Lord's work. It's a choice as to how we choose to spend our time. It's our choice. We always find time to do what we love to do the most, whether it be exercise or walks or shopping or whatever. When we want to do it, We find time to do it. I pray that you love the Lord enough to be able to find time to serve him. There are blessings when you serve. There is fellowship when you serve. There is joy when you serve, when you help others. There is delight when you know God is looking down, smiling on you and your life of service. Do you hope to hear those words at heaven's gate? Well done, good and faithful servant. 
I think we all would like to hear that. Ladies, the decision and outcome of hearing those words is in your hands. It's your choice how you spend your time and what you do. Now, like the five love languages, I believe that, that, as I said, we're made in God's image and those five love languages, I believe, are all God's as well. So when we practice giving to our spouse, let's practice giving those five love languages to God. Prayer, acts of service, affection, sitting in his presence to allow the Holy Spirit to fall on us and give us peace. Prayer, tell him how much we love him. Do his work, spend time. I'm going to finish off with a poem called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away or be slack. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense and my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams and dwarfed goals. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer and labour by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough. My guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognising me. My colours will be clear. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these words. It's quite a simple parable but so much in it, to be able to live until you return, giving our love and time and efforts to extending your kingdom. Father, empower us to do that. Help us to be confident in stepping out if we're not already stepping out. And if we are already serving and serving wisely, then I pray that you may bless each person even more than you already are doing that. We give our lives to you, Father, be Lord of our life, lover of our soul, and we just thank you for who you are and who you are to us and to this family of believers that sit here today. In Jesus' name, amen.